We're back again. It's Chase and Josh with Factor Fantasy. We are here to give you our very first breakdown into the series we're going to cover of Season 3. We're going to cover The Mandalorian Season 3 today, Episode 1. We're going to kind of run through this similarly to how we've been doing it in the past, where we're going to do one podcast episode for each series episode in this season. So we'll be doing eight episodes of The Mandalorian Season 3, as well as a recap bonus episode that's going to have some rankings and things of that nature. So really excited to dive into the very, very first uh, the series that we're going to cover this season here. And before we kind of jump into it, I'm going to turn the floor over to Chase to say a few words, and then we'll dive in. Back in the Star Wars universe, baby. Always feels good to dive back into a galaxy far, far away a long time ago. Great stuff, man. But yeah, this is all you today, Jay Nelly, and I'm going to let Jay Nelly cook. Let him cook. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah, let's get a cheers up here for the, our first uh, series that we're covering here in season three of our show. Uh, excited cheers, to be baby. in the saddle. You said back in the saddle, man. That's, that's funny, but uh, cheers, brother. Cheers. All right. And just to give kind of a context breakdown here before I dive into the contents of season three, episode one of The Mandalorian. There's a bit of a recap just to make it make sense. So if you watched right from season two, episode eight of The Mandalorian, and then you try to jump right into season three, episode one, there's some pieces that are missing because it almost seems as if Disney Plus pulled in some of the Boba Fett series to kind of bridge the gaps here. So, you know, if you had left off on season two, episode eight, and you turn in, tune into this, and all of a sudden Grogu's back, you've got no idea what the heck Grogu's doing there. So uh, if you guys needed the context to break down, uh, the, I think it comes from the Boba Fett series. So in any event, just to quickly recap kind of where uh, the events take place here in season three, episode one of The Mandalorian, the armorer, he tells... Uh, she tells Din Djarin that he's a Mandalorian no more because he removed his helmet when he was said goodbye to Grogu last season. He asks how he could atone, and the armorer tells him that according to Creed, he can only be redeemed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore, which they all believe have been destroyed. So at this point, this is where this episode opens up going forward. Episode 1 opens with the armorer working a new blue helmet. The armorer presents the helmet to this teenage boy, and they start saying like their ritual and the ritual goes like this i swear on my name and the names of my ancestors that i shall walk the way of the mandalore and the words of the creed shall forever be forged in my heart and then the armor puts the helmet on the teenage boy and says this is the way and all mandalorians present repeat the phrase because that's what they do and the armorer scoops up some water from the lake and says, from this moment on, I shall never remove my helmet. But before the boy can finish repeating that sentence, this fucking dinosaur, alligator, turtle-looking thing just attacks from the water. And this thing's a badass. This thing looks fucking sick on screen. I've never seen it like it. But it looked really, really cool. But the Mandalorians are all attacking this thing with everything they've got. And I'm not going to lie, this creature's fucking them all up. This is not going well for the Mandalorians. And finally, after, you know, this creature's whooping their ass, our guy, Din Djarin, I'm just going to refer to him as Mando going forward just because it's easier, but our guy Mando pulls up in his N1 Starfighter and blasts the creature, finally killing it. So he parks the Starfighter, then we see Grogu in the back seat looking all happy to be there, and that's when the title sequence hits with that cool little whistle background. I love that thing when every time he shows up, that little jingle that they do. But uh, the title sequence hits. 
And at that point, after the title sequence, the scene cuts to Mando. He's going to see the armor, and she's still on his ass about removing his helmet and him no longer being a Mandalorian. And he's still trying to find redemption and asks, you know, what if the minds of Mandalore still exist? She tells him that they were all destroyed during the Purge. And he pulls out this inscription. It's almost like this emerald jade thing with some writing on it. And he asks if it's Mandalorian, and she confirms that it is and asks where he found it. And he tells her he got it from Jawas, who got it from a traveler who claimed to have visited the surface of Mandalore. And keep in mind, the surface of Mandalore is rumored to be poisoned and uninhabitable. Like you can't travel and visit there. So she said it only proves that Mandalore's entire surface has been crystallized by fusion rays. And he makes the case, though, that if a traveler was able to retrieve it, then the planet may not be poison. So he, tell, or he asks her if he's able to find and visit the planet and bring proof that he bathed in the living waters beneath the mines of Mandalore, then by creed, the decree of his exile will be lifted and he'll be redeemed. And she responds, this is the way. And he tells her that he will see her again. So at this point, the scene shifts to Mando driving hyperspeed through space. Uh, he kind of drifts off and takes a little nap. And Grogu's seeing these interesting shapes in this hyperspace here area. And while Mando's napping, Grogu decides he's going to snuggle up there, take a little nap with his dad, or, you know, his, dad, his father-like figure, I guess I could say. It's a cute little moment on screen. So uh, they end up arriving at the planet Navarro. And it seems like such a happier and more lively place than in Season 1. If you guys remember, like, Navarro in Season 1, it was kind of like an old Western, you know? The, the saloons out there, it was like, see, like, the tumbleweed going through the damn desert type of deal. It's completely different. It's, it's come a long way since the season one. But uh, what I found out really cool is in the center of the town, they have the body of the old robot IG-11 in a place of honor at the center of that city. And that's when their old friend Grief Karga, he's now High Magistrate Karga, comes out and greets them. And we learn that Navarro is an official trade spur of the Hydean Way. And while they're catching up and discussing everything, Grief Karga tries to convince Mando to settle down and make Navarro his home because he's exiled and no longer Mandalorian and all this. But uh, Mando explains to Grief Karga that he's an apostate because he removed his helmet and that he has matters he needs to tend to first before he can make any sort of decision like that. So then while they're catching up, this droid comes in, interrupts their meeting, and tells them that pirates are in the courtyard. So we go over to the, the courtyard, and these pirates are causing trouble. They're trying to drink at this building that used to be a bar, but now it's a school. And Grief Karga tries to convince them to go back to his office with them and, like, leave the school alone. And the pirates aren't having it. They're like, no, we're going to drink. Here, this is our spot. And so they, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of having words back and forth, and Mando steps in, and he asks if there's a problem. And uh, the, the pirate tells him, well, not if, you know, he gets me a drink here. So... Grief Karga and the lead pirate, the lead pirate's name is Vane. They face each other in like a duel style. They're, like, they're looking at each other. They got their guns in the holster on the side of the hip, and they're just like twitching their hands to see who's going to pull, pull the gun first. And, uh, you know, they, they set it off, and Grief Karga ends up shooting the gun out of uh, Vane's hand. So he, then after he shoots the gun out of his hand, he tells Vane to report to Captain Gorian Shard that Navarro is no longer friendly to pirates. At this point, the other pirates pull their weapons, but Mando and Karga, they make short work of them, leaving only Vane, the lead pirate, alive. They let him go to report back. So Karga tells Mando that he needs a marshal. And Mando asks about Marshal Dune, who was Cara Dune from the previous seasons, 
and Grief Karga tells him that she was recruited by special forces. And this was interesting, like just on a side note to take a take a brief pause at this part. Like we were gonna wonder what happened when she like I remember when they, they basically removed her from the show, the the actress. And so we we're gonna wonder like how they were going to explain this away when it came up to her being the marshal of an entire planet, like what's gonna happen here? And now we see like the the whole explanation is that she got recruited by special forces. So easy fix, she's gone off doing whatever. Uh, but yeah, so th that is what has happened to Cara Dune. She now is in the special forces and probably not gonna see her again uh, throughout <laughs> the throughout this series, right? So uh, we also learned that Moff Gideon, the bad guy, he was sent off to a New Republic war tribunal, and. Grief Karga is still trying to convince Mando to stick around and to take the job as the new marshal. He tells me he wants Navarro to be the first ever truly independent trade anchor in the entire sector, but Mando respectfully declines. So Grief Karga asks, well, you know, what are you doing there? How, like, how can I help you? And Mando tells him that he needs IG-11 back. So this, that, that robot from the first season that helped them kind of escape and, and not die when it self-destructed, he wants to bring this thing back online. Because, he, you know, obviously his background, Mando doesn't trust droids, but he trusts this one because obviously he saw what it did for them back then. So the reason he needs this droid is because he needs a droid that he trusts to explore Mandalore so he can, like, give him an idea if, like, the planet is poisonous, if they can inhabit it, if they can walk on it without special uh, equipment and things of that nature. So Mando starts working on the droid. Like, Karga agrees to give Mando a shot at fixing IG-11. So Mando starts working on the droid, hooks him up to power, and attempts to wake him up. And at first there's nothing, but then slowly IG-11 comes online. But the problem is, is IG-11 reverts to his original program and tries to kill Grogu. And the other, like, they, and Mando's sitting there shooting this thing, and he can't, like, get it down. It's really a, a testament to how strong this droid is and how well it's built. And the only reason they ended up getting out of that situation is because the other droid there just pushed over the head bust, like the, the marble head bust of Grief Karga onto IG-11, crushing its head before it finally stopped trying to kill Grogu. And it was even funny, he's like, dude, listen, uh, I, if he comes fully back online with all that, I don't think I can take, even Mando like, like, uh, admitted he doesn't think he could take IG-11 if he comes fully online with all his weapons to him. So, you know, that gives you an idea of, of how strong that fucking droid is. In any event, uh, Grief Karga suggests the use of some of Navarro's best droid smiths to fix IG-11, and these things are called Anzellans. And they begin working on IG-11. The Anzellans tell Mando that the memory circuit is broken and they can't fix them though. So the Anzellans say that, that they can't fix without a memory circuit, like, like they can fix it if they don't use a memory circuit, but the droid won't be able to think. It'll just kind of be <laughs> online no, doing nothing. It won't be able to do anything. So. Mando asks if he finds the part, if they can fix him, and the Anzellans confirm that they can. And it's cool, because these Anzellans, they remind me a lot of the Lorax. <laughs> they were, but they're small, <laughs> they had this little mustache thing. They, they were really funny, too. And, you know, as they were trying to figure out what they were going to do moving forward with this droid situation, since he's got, Mando asks if he finds the part, if they'll fix it, they confirm that he can. Uh, like, then the background, Grogu, ends up grabbing one of the Anzellans and squeezing him in a hug. And, like, he's, like, hugging this thing, and they're trying to get him off, and they were yelling at him. He's like, bad baby, bad baby. <laughs> I thought that shit was so funny, dude. But, uh, anyways, <laughs> at this point, Mando takes off, leaves Navarro to find a new memory circuit for IG-11. 
And Mando is kind of teaching Grogu a little bit about being a Mandalorian and flying a starfighter. He talks to him about the hyperspace map and the enemy proximity locator, which ironically starts going off because the pirates are on their tail. So it's, it's Vane, the lead pirate. He's looking for revenge after Mando and Grief Karga killed his pirate mates. And they have a flight fight in space through an asteroid belt. And it was really kind of cool to see on screen. Mando starts using these sick maneuvers to take out these pirates and their ships one by one. Finally, it's just Mando and Vane left. But Vane kind of leads Mando into a trap to where they open up in the, in the big ship with the big captain is just there waiting. Uh, they, they end up going to the captain's ship that has insane guns and they target lock on Mando. And this, this captain is called Gorian Shard. He, they, they start having the discussion back and forth, uh, Mando and Gorian Shard. But Mando tells him that he has no issue with him. But Gorian wants retribution for Mando taking out four of their fighter ships just right there. So anyways, long story short, Mando ends up escaping him. Just flies right above their ship and pups it into hyperspace. And Gro- Grogu and Mando arrive at the planet Kalevala, which is a planet in the Mandalorian system. And we see for the first time what they consider a Mandalorian castle. So Mando lands a starfighter and approaches the castle. He walks up and meets with, you know, blast from the past from last season, Bo-Katan. And this is them meeting for the first time since last season. He tells Bo-Katan that he is there to join her and her team. She said there's nothing left to join. Her forces melted away because she returned without the Darksaber. And that's going to be a point of contention, right? Because right now... Din Djarin is the rightful wielder of the Darksaber, so technically he's, to be, he's the one that's destined to lead the Mandalorian if they ever you know, come back to the full force, where she wants to be the one, and he's, she's going to have to fight him and, and defeat him to take the Darksaber, and then she'll be the, the rightful wielder. You know, that, that was kind of like where the sentiments left off last season, so there's a bit of tension between Bo-Katan and Din Djarin, but in any event, uh, her old crew are making their way through the galaxy as mercenaries, Bo-Katan tells and so she asks Mando if he still has a saber and he tells her that he does and she tells him to lead the Mandalorians himself but Mando asks about her plans to retake Mandalore and she goes into a spiel about how like the children of the watch and all the other factions, factions split their people she tells him to go home because there's nothing left and he tells her that he's going to Mandalore to bathe in the living waters she says there's nothing magical about the mines. She tells him where to find the mines, which is beneath the civic center in the city of Sundari. So he tells her he's going to soon find out if the city is really poison. She tells him goodbye, and he walks off. And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. how episode one closes out. So, you know, give me your thoughts on the episode as a whole. Is there anything that, you, that popped out to you that you didn't hear that you want to reiterate? Tell me a little bit about what you thought. No, I thought it was good, man. I, I actually liked it. It wasn't... Uh, what's nice was it was a fun episode. Like, it wasn't one where I had to think really too intensely on. Like, I kind of was able just to follow along and, and roll with it. And I really liked the idea of space pirates, man. I thought that was really fucking cool. <laughs> like, I thought that was badass. A battle of end. I think it was a really cool, like, opener for the season. Uh, you know, I kind of wonder now, though, and I'll bring this up later, like, kind of, like, what Grogu's, like, new role is. Like, because I thought he was going to be a Jedi, but I guess now he wants to be more of, like, on the Mandalorian sa- side. But it was good. I mean, it was a, it was a fun episode just to sit down. And uh, it gave me kind of that old Star Wars feel with the, uh, 
you know the starship battles that were badass and it was cool seeing that that dude from last season what's his name i can't remember his name he was there asking him to be the sheriff yeah grief carga grief carga yeah and it makes me wonder too like i i kind of wish in a way i think it would have been cool to kind of see uh dinjar and mando take like that sheriff role for a while it would be kind of like a justified star wars version like a star wars version of justified or something but i thought it was good man i I didn't have any any real problems with it i didn't see any major plot holes i thought it was uh an interesting quick fix they did by saying uh you know cara dune went off to special forces (laughs) that was pretty good but what are your thoughts on the episode that's funny you say that yeah so obviously we all heard that disney severed ties with the actress her, her name is uh gina carano but you know they, they just put a quick fix like all right recruited by special forces that's all we gotta say about it never never <laughs> speaking about her again no but uh the episode as a whole was good you know i will say and this is just my own thoughts that it just seemed to move a little too fast for me and what i mean by that it's like they show up to Navarro and this specifically speaking about this IG-11 thing. Usually mm-hmm. when you're trying to fix something that's broken and like like deftly destroyed to a part beyond repair, I just feel like they, they jumped right in. Usually in my mind, it's going to be a, like a lot harder. I like the first part where they try to bring him online and he tries to revert back to his old programming and killing Grogu. But... When right after that they bring him to these Anzellans and all of a sudden they're already working on it, realizing they can't fix it. Like in my mind, it should have been harder to find these droid smiths. It should have been really difficult to locate. When they located it, they should have been working a lot harder and a lot longer trying to get this thing up. It just seems like they did like a couple tabs, like, oh, we can't fucking fix it. Like you know what yeah. I mean? Especially yeah. when Grief Karga <laughs> when Grief Karga's sitting there saying like these expert droid smiths, you know what I mean? So I would have liked to see, you know, maybe let's say seven to eight minutes of you know, them all having conversations while these Anzellans are working on the droid and trying all these things, putting places in, sparks happening, thinking it might work and it's not working. I don't know. I just feel like they really kind of rushed through that little sequence. And then when they realize, oh, it's just a memory circuit, he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go get one. <laughs> and then he's like, I'll go find it. Like, I don't know. I just, I felt like it, some things kind of moved too fast, which is interesting because what I've really enjoyed about The Mandalorian in the past is, is the pacing has felt really strong in season one and season two and again this is only the first episode of season three and interesting enough it was only a 30 minute episode normally these episodes for the mandalorian are 45 minutes to an hour long so it was interesting that the season premiere of of uh season three the first episode was only 30 minutes like you'd assume that you know they've been gone for so long that they would have a nice big opener to really kind of pull you in so I'm not saying that it didn't. It wasn't a bad episode. I just I feel like the pacing was just a little bit off with this very first episode. I you know that's not indicative of how I feel about the entire season so far. You know we'll talk about it as we go into the future episodes in the coming weeks. But you know that's just kind of my thoughts on that part of it. Now, very cool to see that they still are bringing levels of action into it. You know, we had the standoff with Vane and the other pirates and like, you know, the old the old western duel kind of thing. That was cool. And then, you know, he goes into space to Joe go find this memory circuit and he's having this starfighter battle with with the pirates and their ships and stuff. And you know, I, I also don't like the fact that he just 
escaped Gorian Shard by just flying over it. What's the point of the whole target lock thing? The target lock's supposed to be like, you're fucked. Like, you're like we're going to shoot you and you're done. <laughs> but all of a sudden, he's, he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to drive, like, fly straight at this huge ship and go above it and then duck into hyperspace and that's gonna be it like what man like i don't know that was that was one of the things i was kind of like yeah, i don't know man like I, I like i said i i liked the episode but there was a few things that kind of made me question like i don't know uh I, I, like I said i think the pacing was just a little bit off but i don't understand why they only made a 30 minute episode as the season premiere and you're going right into episode two next week. I believe that was about 45 minutes. And then episode three beyond that was an hour or 55 minutes, yeah. something like that. So it's like, what was the point of trying to push <laughs> a small episode length? I, I don't know, man. But that those are kind of my thoughts on that. As, as an overall episode, it was great to see Grogu back with, with Mando. I really thought that creature in the very beginning was cool. That dinosaur alligator yeah. thing with the turtle shell. And they like, these Mandalorians could not take this thing down. You have like, Paz Vizsla there just shooting things with his old armor. And he's supposed to be one of these top you know fighters of the Mandalorian. The one, what's left of them. And you know, Mando has come in with his, like I said, his N1 Starfighter and start blasting it and taking it out there. But they tried so hard, and that thing killed about three or four Mandalorian. There's not a whole lot of them left. Yeah. So thought that thing was pretty cool, man. Uh, it was also kind of cool to see. It really gave me vibes of Game of Thrones when, you know, for, for example, uh, the Greyjoys, when they would do the ritual of, of dunking them under the water and getting to the point where they can't breathe anymore, pulling them out and seeing if they can come back after being like, basically drowned, like giving them to the drowned god, and saying all these like, ritual words. That really kind of gave me the feel of what that the Mandalorian uh, ritual was that they were saying there. Did you kind of get similar feels to that as well? Oh, absolutely. I got to give props to, uh, you know, these Star Wars writers and directors here of The Mandalorian because one thing they consistently just release bangers on is I will say, like, the CGI of the monsters, like, the monsters they come up with are very badass. Like, I'll say that. Like, yeah, there might be plot holes here and there and writing and stuff, but... The CGI and the monsters, it feels like every season you have one, like, badass monster that comes out of a cave or out of an ocean. Like, it's like, what's going on next? And I think that's what's really cool about uh, the Mandalorian, like, creeds and stuff is they really captivate an audience because they also show, like, a realness aspect to it of, like, yeah, these guys are really trained, but they don't have, like, a lightsaber or anything. So how the fuck are they going to take down, like, this dinosaur type thing? That's, like, a hundred times their size. So I thought it was good, man. It was great stuff. Yeah, I agree. The, the creatures were cool. And they they have been. They've been very consistent. And, you know, it, it's also very similar to The Witcher, the Netflix series The Witcher, where they seem to have and pull these cool looking creatures out of the blue you know you, you would think at this point every person's thought of every single creature that ever could have existed but not nah, like, like both of these shows the witcher and the mandalorian they'd be coming up with new creatures almost every episode it's pretty <laughs> impressive to be honest with you like you know, but it, it is cool and you know it was a good episode it was fun to kind of get us back and i think it had that fun feel more so than a serious feel to get us back into the the universe there for you know, and, and I, I think that it's it set the tone well for where it's going to go. Because right now, where we're left off at is Mando's going to be looking to go to 
the planet Mandalore. He's hoping it's not poison. He's going to try to find this piece to put IG-11 back online to help him go there. And, and, and he, we get to see Bo-Katan, and we saw that tension again with, with Din Djarin and, and Bo-Katan. They're separate factions of Mandalorian, right? He's a Children of the Watch. She's kind of on her own. The, does her own thing. And she takes off her helmet and shit, and that is not allowed, obviously, with the Mandalorian, <laughs> which is why they consider Din Djarin now an apostate, because he took his helmet off when he said bye to Grogu last season. And, you know, it, it's doing a good job of bringing some things together of where it, this season is intended to go. And I think you and I had discussed this previous, is that this season of The Mandalorian almost gives us a deeper look into the creed of The Mandalore and the different factions and how they are split as a people, I guess I could say. And it's a little bit different tone than the previous seasons, where previous seasons there was a bad guy trying to get the Grogu because it's got powers and you have to stop the bad guy where it's not like that. And like, at least to this point, it's just, it, it's more into the right. lore. It's more into the creed. And I think that background and in-depth knowledge is really, really cool. And I'm someone who really appreciates that for the plot and the storyline. Uh, so I, I, what I will hope though, is that the pacing does get a little bit better with these episodes. <laughs> uh, I just don't understand why you would just slam a bunch of stuff in 30 minutes when you could easily have just added another 10, 15, 20 minutes onto the episode and been just fine. But I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really get that. But yeah, man, those are just the, those are my takeaways on it. Yeah, my thoughts, you know, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned Game of Thrones with the Greyjoys because I almost got like a Game of Thrones season seven at the very end and season eight vibe when it's like they're teleporting to these places now. Like, I know they have spaceships, but it's like one minute they're just on an entirely different planet across the galaxy. It's like, yeah, you're asking what you need and you got the recruits you need to fix this thing. Like, shouldn't that be like IG-11 example? You know, with him being like a main character, like you can say like a main supporting character kind of in a way of season one, right? If you're going to bring back that nostalgia where he needs this guy, wouldn't you want some sort of like kind of epic journey, at least for like a couple episodes to get what you need to bring him back after all this time? But just like you said, man, I feel like he was just like, it was kind of like buying a car. Like he just showed up. And he was like, hey, man, like these are the parts I need. They're like, hey, man, we're sold out. So he goes to another dealer and they're like, well, here's the deal, man. If you go get us this, if you buy this one part, we can make it happen. We can make it happen for you. He's like, cool deal. I got you. Like, that's kind of what it was. Did you get that vibe? Yeah, like I said, it. Uh, you know, it just seemed that they could have really paced out that whole deal with IG-11 a lot better. But, you know, knowing how that turns out and goes forward where it does into the future episodes, it's not really a, a high point of contention. It's just something I picked out in this particular episode that I feel like could have been a little bit better. But it did. It did feel very quick, very transactional, where, you know, this droid self-destructed. It went against its nature to give you guys a chance to live a couple seasons ago. You'd think there'd be some, you know, intense, a little bit of drama, a little bit of like, oh no, is he going to come online? Oh no, we might have to just scrap this thing forever. We keep it in its place of honor in the city and that's it. Like, it just seemed like, yeah, alright, I want this droid. I need it. I need to use it. <laughs> and then they're like, well, we can't fix it. He's like, ah, what if I get this part? You're like, ah, well then maybe we can. <laughs> so, I don't know. Dude. Like, <laughs> like, that's just, it was. That, that is the kind of vibe that I got from it. Uh, just, I just felt it was going to be a little bit more intense and a little bit more drawn out. 
Uh, that, that's just how I felt on that end. But I don't know, dude. What kind of debates do you have for me today? Yeah, man. My debate for the day. So I have uh, two. And I'll let you answer these in whatever order you want. So the first one is, now that Grogu is back with Mando, Din Djarin, do you think he's going to learn more about the creeds and kind of be taken more into like more the Mandalorian lore and and fract- factions there instead of kind of where you know we saw in season two at the very end he went off with Luke and clearly Luke trained him so it's been like kind of a time lapse here do you think he's going to be being trained more like a Mandalorian now and maybe still have of course some of those uh, Jedi aspects like with the force and that sort of thing so he could be a little I mean I don't want to say little like you know what Yoda was but yeah, like a little badass when he grows up, like one of those badass like uh, Mandalore. But at the same time, motherfuckers like got the special forces of a Jedi. Like that's something to be. Uh, that is something I wouldn't mess with. <laughs> that's for sure. And then uh, second quick quick one here that you can answer in whatever order is: If Din Djarin ever went back and took that job as being kind of like the marshal of uh, of that planet. Do you think that kind of would be badass? Do you think that would be something that would be worth ever watching if he was kind of like a, a the sheriff of that town and if it they really expanded more on like the space pirate side? I'll answer the Grogu part first. So I think just because of the conversations, remember when I was talking through that recap of the summary where Grogu ended up taking a nap in Mando's lap uh, when they were in hyperspace going through that cool little warp tunnel. Man, uh, Mando was telling Grogu a little bit about the Creed and like what it means to be a Mandalorian and, and a little bit about uh, the stuff that they use. So it does seem that he's going to be... I don't, wanna, I don't know if trained is the right word, but definitely brought up around more of the Mandalorian side of the spectrum versus the Jedi side of the spectrum. So we don't really know what happened with Luke and Grogu. Like what level of training they've done, uh, what level of mastery of the Force that he has or will uh, develop. Because obviously he's got a better level of mastery on it than he did in the previous seasons. And this is one of the part of the pacing that I do enjoy. The fact that he's not just a badass with the Force right out of the gate. They are bringing that along slowly. And I think that's going to be great because I know that we've been making a lot of comparisons to Game of Thrones. But... It almost very similarly reminds me of Arya, how in the beginning she was constantly getting her ass whooped and like beat down and she just kept going and kept grinding and she ended up being one of the best fucking warriors by the end of the whole series. So I, I'm kind of getting that vibe here with Grogu that you know, he's not strong enough yet, he can't help to that level yet, but he's going to keep slowly progressing, you're going to see... The, the strides and all of a sudden it's just gonna he's just gonna be a fucking force when he finally gets to that that next level so uh, to answer the question directly I, I do believe that it's gonna we're gonna have a more Mandalorian based background for Grogu than Jedi because I don't know how what the time difference is a time lapse between when Luke took him to where Mando has him back I don't know if that is like years months what that looks like so who knows what he was doing with Luke during that time period what he's learned I mean, obviously, going knowing what happens in the next couple episodes, you know, obviously, then we could take a notes on and, and watching the series, is the, the, he's got some level of mastery over the Force, but it's still not to the 
extent of people that we're used to seeing in the big Star Wars feature films. You know, it's not like Yoda picking up that damn <laughs> jet thing and just like <laughs> launching it across the planet. You know what I mean? So yeah, that they, they, he's obviously still learning and still growing his strength. So I do believe that just based on the amount of time he's going to be spending, it seems with the Mandalorian, that it's going to be he's going to be more brought up in the ways of the Mandalore versus the ways of the Jedi. That, that's the answer to that question from my perspective. Now, to flip it, no, I think it'd be stupid as hell if we sat there and watched <laughs> like Din Djarin just sit there and be the sheriff of this really non-important planet, like the city here in Navarro. It, it's just like it's not important enough, you know. It, it's not Alderaan. It's not Coruscant. It's just it, it's Navarro, and it's coming all. It's getting bigger. It's definitely coming a long way from where it was season one, and that's fine. But what do you want me to do? Sit like watch this guy like sit around and like police a town, and you know, just slap people on the wrist for stealing chickens or something, dude? Like I don't know, man. I, yeah, okay, these space pirates can come through, but how many space pirates can you defeat before it just gets old and stale? I don't know. I just I like what they're doing now because they're going to different planets, they're finding different creatures, they're getting back into you know the the actual lore and history of the Mandalorian. So definitely think that's cool. I just think it'd be a waste of his talents. He's way too important of a character, way too strong and prominent in the Mandalorian creed to sit there and be a glorified police officer. I don't think, like, <laughs> I truly don't think that would be fun to watch at all. I would probably get sick of it like really fast. Because at that point, all you're really drawing for me is some level of action. All right, some new person comes into town, causes some trouble. He's got to find a way to beat him. That's pretty much all it's going to be, you know, the whole entire time. I just, I don't know. I've had enough of that trope. I don't think I would really enjoy watching. Maybe if I was eight years old, that'd be cool. But, you know, (laughs) being 30 years old now and understanding there's a lot more to it than just cool action, I don't think that it would be something that I would... I would watch it all. Just, you know, man, you know, Din Djarin on Navarro, the, the old marshal <laughs> of the town. Like, you know, uh, I don't think so. Th- those, those are my answers to, to your debates there. I'll, I'll let you kind of give a little rebuttal on your thoughts. Uh, for the first part. So I think, I think you're right. I think Grogu is going to see a little bit more into like the Mandalorian side of things and kind of be trained with that. Almost makes me wonder if like maybe he's not gonna grow as much in the force like as far as like where luke wanted him to be as far as being a jedi but i think it could be really cool i think he would be a badass in the future like imagine what he would have if he had like a little bit of both like you know imagine him using like the jetpacks and stuff but at the same time you know he can use the force to throw shit around and using the laser guns like almost literally Yoda with a Bubba Fett helmet. Like, that's what we would have. I think that would be sick to see, man. But uh, I think it's going to be interesting because I think this is a great route they chose to go because you get to see more of that relationship side build, of course, between Din Djarin and Grogu. And he's really going to kind of see more into, like, the secrets of the Mandalorian creeds. And kind of more, I think what's interesting is we might see more of like what, which I don't know this, like maybe what they think of him. Like maybe, you know how they always talked about him as the child, like he was so special. Like I'm starting to wonder like what the creeds really think of, you know, they called him the findling or something like that. Yeah, the foundling. Yeah. Foundling. Gotcha. 
Yeah, so I'm really interested to see that, but I think he could be a badass. Second part, I think it would be sick. I think it'd be cool. It'd be like a justified, justified in space. You could have a, almost like maybe a Rick Grimes Walking Dead sort of way, but you put a little cowboy hat on Dinjarin <laughs> as he's walking around. This is fucking got his laser gun like Han fucking Solo Man. And I just picture like everyone he takes captive, he puts their ass in fucking kryptonite. <laughs> he badasses fucking shit. All these Wait, space mean, pirates coming down. Do you mean carbonite? Knows, I think you mean carbonite. Carbonite. Yeah. <laughs> kryptonite Superman. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Sorry, Henry Cavill. Now that we're making Witcher references over here, I think it'd be cool, man. He puts them in carbonite. You know, maybe, maybe you have like someone like maybe Palpatine. We bring him back again. You know what I'm saying? They've been bringing him back a lot recently. We bring him back. He suddenly comes back with a whole lot more pirates. Then we got this whole Pirates of the Caribbean spinoff thing with Star Wars. So we basically have like Din Djarin in the curse of the, uh, you know, I guess you can't really say like curse of the Black Pearl, but you could say Din Djarin and Dead Man's Spaceship or some shit like that. It'd be fucking badass, dude. I'd be all over that shit. I think it'd be great. I, I think it'd be fantastic. I'd be the first to sign up. Probably one of the only ones to watch, but I would be there on, on opening day. I would be streaming. I think it'd be fantastic. I, I think it would be great. Yeah. I will I, say I, I like your uh, comparison to Justified. For those who don't know what Justified is, it's basically a, a U.S. marshal who, for better, like, lack of better words, is like a cowboy. He wears this cowboy hat. He's pretty good shot. He's just constantly a badass, rounding up these bad guys that are doing a bunch of dumb shit in, in his town, in his city. It, it, it is cool. And, and, you know, it is the Mandalorian is somewhat similar to a Western in space, so I'll give you the I'll give you points for the comparison. But in terms of wanting to watch that <laughs> shit, absolutely not. Yeah, how many times can we bring Palpatine back before we just like you know throw up from disgust at this shit? You know what I mean? Like you gotta like we're gonna just bring Palpatine's face back. This every time we bring something little and little back, you know, last time he couldn't walk, he was just kind of this. This thing now is just going to be a head in a bubble like that haunted mansion at Disney World. That crystal ball with the girl's head in it. It's, that's, that's what Palpatine's going to be. So, <laughs> dude, he's just sitting there telling all the, the pirates to attack Navarro and he's Amanda. No, I'm not watching that shit. I'm not watching that shit at all. Oh my goodness, if I want to do that, I'll just play video games. I'll play Fortnite. I can get right on there myself. No, man, I think that'd be stupid as hell. I just sit there and be a, a glorified police officer hanging out on one planet in a boring planet at that. This little Navarro, get out of here with that nonsense. Hell no, I don't want to see that shit. <laughs> Calling the pirates wherever they're at. <laughs> He's just in like the little ball using its electricity to fire it up. And they're like, oh yeah. Oh, this is good. <laughs> we'll go get him. Oh, we got him. And then they try to steal Grogu, and that's like the thing. It's like instead of like oh, again, tests, you like mean, again, cool. We gotta say we're gonna, use, we're gonna use the same shit. That sounds great. I love that. Didn't see that for oh, two man. seasons. Oh, <laughs> man. Again. Yeah, yeah. Any, anyways, yeah. What's your debate for the day, Jay Nelly? My debate is. What do we believe the role of Gorian Shard 
is going to be moving forward. Is he going to play a big role? Is he going to play a General Grievous type role where he's not the main bad guy, but he's like a main bad guy support? Is he someone that's going to be totally forgettable and we'll never see him again? And to, give, to give, remind people who Gorian Shard is, he's the major captain of all the pirates that showed up on Navarro. And that big ship that he had with the target locks on Mando, he was the big green guy that was the leader there. So I'm curious what you think his role is going to be moving forward. It's interesting. I don't. I don't really know. I kind of see him as like a side, um, like a side villain in a way, like someone that like really could move up the ranks and be like a side villain. But I don't know. It's hard for me to see him as like a really big bad guy, like Moth Gideon or something. Like I, I feel like. I, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I don't want to judge anyone's like intellect as like a character, but. I mean, he's a pirate, so, like, I don't really see him, like, being in charge of, like, an empire, like, a Darth Vader, right? Like, I don't see him as someone like that, but I do think he could cause, like, some problems on his own. Like, me, I would see him as, like, one of those people, like, in season two, when we're talking about Mandalorian, remember, um, no, I guess you can even bring up the Kenobi series, like, when, you know, like, Obi-Wan cut down those, like, um... I guess you can call them stormtroopers, empire troops, whatever they were on like that train. Like, I feel like maybe like he could be one of those side villains where they're doing something and then he just gets in the way and like fuck shit up. Like maybe something like that. And then he grows and then you're like, wow, like how'd you put this together? Maybe in like season five, like season five or something, he's become like the badass side villain, like worked his way up through the ranks. He's like the ultimate space pirate. But still, in the end, I'd probably, like, in my mind, because we've seen so many badass, like, villains in Star Wars, like, I don't even look at him, like, as, like, a threat like Darth Vader. Like, you saw Din Djarin basically, like, shot the fuck out of him. Like, he was no threat, like, whatsoever at all. Like, it was Din Djarin and his friend, you know, they were there, and then he had, like, all those fucking pirates, and it was basically, like, he still put him in his fucking tracks. Like, he was, like, like, he saw his helmet... Like, you see that Mandalore helmet, like, you know you're not going up against a nobody. So I feel like it's just hard for me to take him as, like, a super intense villain. But I think he could be maybe one of those, like, side villains that grows through the ranks that really kind of fucks shit up in the course of action for what the plan is for everybody. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I just want to make sure we, we're talking about the same person. Because when you said he saw Din Djarin over there in the corner, I think you might be thinking of the, the lead pirate, Vane. I'm talking about Vane's boss, uh, Gorian oh, okay, Shard. Oh, gotcha. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, about, I, I'm talking okay, about yeah. Gorian Shard, who was the main guy on that big ship. Remember when they were, had the big uh, fighter jet oh, okay, flight yeah. things Gorian through the Shard, asteroid belt? Yeah. yeah, so I'm talking about that, the, main, the main guy, the, the boss of the lead pirate. Uh, that's who I'm talking about. But I still think you're on the right track of where I see that guy's role as well. I do, I do kind of view it similar to a General Grievous role. Where, like you said, he's not the main bad villain. But he, he's got enough resources and he's connected enough. And he's, the, he's got enough ability to cause you problems along the way. I do definitely agree that he's not going to be a world beater villain that you know, this huge boss that we've got to take down, I think he's going to be a level of, like, distraction and, and stuff where it can cause you un unexpected problems along along the path. That's where I 100% agree on that end. I do think that 
you know, yeah, it's only it's confusing because we we go back to season two and we see like Ahsoka and we know that for Ahsoka one of her main adversaries is General Thrawn, like General Admiral Thrawn, and like Thrawn is not someone in the in the grand scheme of things who's thought of as a big powerful villain, but I see Gorian Shard like a li- even a little bit less than that. Uh, yeah, you know that's that's the kind of role I see him playing. He just shows up randomly when you're trying to get something done, and he just throws a wrench in your plans. Uh, like he's yeah. he's gonna be the ultimate nuisance. That's what I see that could go for. But you know, we might not even see this guy. Maybe that was just it with, with the pirates there. The thing is, is you know, as much as you say that they didn't want any smoke with Mando, at the end of the day, Mando's the one that ran from him. They, you know, he got that ship there, all the fucking guns were locked on it, and he's like, ah, fuck this, and like flew over it and went into hyperspace. Like, yeah, just maybe that was like a level of, he was like trying to get something done and didn't want to deal with this shit right now. So I'm not saying Mando was scared, I'm just saying that Mando realized that it's going to take a little bit more effort than he's willing to put in right now to deal with this. And so, you know, that alone tells me that uh, he, he is someone, maybe a level of a force to be reckoned with, not like a main one, but definitely someone... You got to keep an eye on. Uh, I, I'm trying to find a good comparison, maybe in another works that he would be similar to. Like I said, I think General Grievous is a good comparison because General Grievous was yeah. pretty badass, you know. But he was not the the main bad guy by any means. It's but he gave Obi Wan fits. He gave he gave them all like a <laughs> hard time. You know, he had that really sick thing where he had four arms and those sabers were flying with those arms and it was kind of cool. But you knew that he wasn't the, 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 the end-all, be-all, big bad guy that you got to defeat. That's the, the role I see this Gorian Shard character playing. And who knows, maybe his network's really extensive. And maybe it's not just these pirates that we saw here. Maybe he's got connections with other people on other planets and he can really cause you some headaches along the way. I do think that's... That could be, I, if it's not the plan for them going forward, I think that they should reconsider and make that the plan going forward. Just to have someone along the way that's just going to annoy you. You know what it reminds me of? You ever, watch, you ever play the old Pokemon games and you're trying to go through and collect them <laughs> gym badges and fucking Gary keeps showing up and trying to battle your ass fucking along the Gary, way? Gary, man. <laughs> Fuck you, Gary. Fuck you. Gary you always ditched me. <laughs> Pokemon Red? Fuck me every time, man. I get down to, like, my last one. There'd be no fucking Pokemon Center where I could, like, heal them. So then I'm over here trying to get, like, the fucking... Fucking psychic badge from Sabrina, and then she fucks me with Alakazam every fucking time because all I got left is like a five percent health on my Charizard, and you don't even get the first turn. Yeah, Gary, fuck you, man. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, Gary. <laughs> fuck you, Gary. <laughs> Gary's a dick. Yeah, Gary's a dickhead. But yeah, just someone that does along your way just keeps bothering you and keeps bothering you. That'd be kind of fucking cool. You know, obviously, Moff Gideon seems to still be the the bad guy, and we'll kind of get more into him as the season progresses of the Mandalorian. But uh, he, that that still seems like the main guy there. Then there's the other stuff that comes along the way. We'll talk more about it actually in probably episode three with the whole cloning stuff. Remember from season one, we saw in that uh, location where it almost looked as if there was the the, the bodybuilding clones. Just kind of getting you to that point of, of the of the major bad guy there. That honestly, uh, Snoke is who I'm talking about. But like, uh, which is kind of dumb because of what they ended up making him be in the feature films. I thought that we don't need to get into all this. See, I'm I'm I'm, I'm starting to get real crazy. But like, my point being is, we saw almost like the cloning stuff of what it looked 
creating the new big bad in Snoke. So I'm saying, you know, Moff Gideon's probably the, the major uh, worry that we've got to take care of here throughout this series. But maybe the, the, if this cloning and genetic thing takes off, it, we, maybe we witness the creation of Snoke, which we, maybe we'll get a little bit more about him, even though he lasted for all of 10 seconds in the future films. Fine. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I, that, that's kind of those are the, those are the big things I see as the villains that we need to overcome. Moff Gideon potentially, whoever they create with this genetic modification stuff, but I think Gorian Shard is going to be more so a, a side show, a side villain, but definitely could give you some headaches. At least, like I said, I hope that's the the path they decide to take. And if any of those producers out there are listening, you, you all should take some advice man, from, from, from the old boys here at Factor Fantasy. could be something cool. It could be on to something there. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, that's make, that, make uh, Din Djarin, you know, make him that sheriff, man. You got to make uh, uh, Mando a dead man's space. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you guys. No, take Jay Nelly's advice. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Man Space featuring <laughs> Din Djarin in a whatever that fucking planet was that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> fucking Navarro just sitting there. Can you imagine like one of the most you know uh, decorated warriors in the galaxy just sitting on his ass policing this tiny ass planet? No, fuck that shit. Like, Bring in I- Harrison Ford, man. You have like a Han Solo kind of. You're starting to merge the timelines now. He's like, yeah, man. I, I, I yeah, yeah, boy. That's it's not that kind of not that kind of series, kid. I remember when I was in uh, in, in Carbonite before. He's like, yeah, yeah. You're about to go back in Carbonite, boy. <laughs> oh wow, too much fun. But before we close, by the way, I don't want to throw you off guard, but I'm going to play these two cards we have here (laughs) before we close because it's a little bit of a combo for a minute here. One is this Malice in the Chalice card, so I can talk about whatever the fuck I want before we close out today. The other one is the Great Debate card, so this is going to be a little bit interesting here. So the big one I have here, and I don't know how true this is, uh, I mean, I saw an article about it. Um, people have been talking a little bit. There are in talks to do one more Star Wars feature film with Daisy Riz- Ridley taking place 15 years later at some point that they want to do to have her try to rebuild the Republic. Do you think that's a good idea? Uh, I've no idea i don't know if that would be any good i don't know if that would be their chance to possibly try to merge like the mandalorian timeline maybe right some of their wrongs and then the other one i want you to rank your top 10 favorite pokemon characters that you like because you mentioned pokemon today and that's the mouse and the chalice part (laughs) i'll send it over to you man i man it's tough because they they really kind of fucked us with the, the the sequel trilogy. You know, it really started kind of strong with The Force Awakens, and we thought this could be something cool. But then, you know, they do this whole director change, this whole thing where they shift in between J.J. Abrams and the other guy, and they can't seem to get on the same page with each other, so it kind of ruined that. So if you're going to do another feature film... You either gotta... I don't want to do... I don't want to see a standalone feature film. Because all we've ever seen from Star Wars are movies in threes. You know, we've, we got the original trilogy, we got the prequels, 
and then we got the sequel series or the sequel uh, feature films too. So I would, if we're gonna do another feature film thing, we gotta do another three, but we gotta do it with the same director that has a vision and a direction. That is that, <laughs> that that's all I care about. I mean, we could do it, and I think it could be really cool, especially with the advances and everything, and how strong the Mandalorian has taken off. How people connected with the Kenobi series. Like I really do believe they got an opportunity to do something cool, but they have to have a direction. They needed to stick with one. One creative mind here, or like at least if you're gonna bring the brain trust in, let's all agree upon a collabor- collaborative direction, and you could probably make it really great. I really do think so, especially if you get Dave Filoni involved, if you get John Favreau involved. These guys who created the Mandalorian, they obviously know what the hell they're doing. You know what I mean? They they did a great job with this, so they did a good job of pulling in the original fans from the original trilogy to new fans who are interested in seeing some of the new shit, they did a good job of it. So if you bring people in like that and there's a collaborative direction of where you want to go and the roadmap makes sense, yeah, I would absolutely love to see a new trilogy, but I would not want to see a standalone film and I would not just want something thrown together just to, to bridge <laughs> timelines for the sake of bridging timelines. That That's what I would not want to see. That That's my thoughts on that one. I'm going to let you respond to that before I give you my my little list of Pokemon. Now, when you say Pokemon characters, do you mean the, the actual people or the Pokemon themselves? Any of them. Like, uh, what's your top ten favorite or anything? Like, and then I'll go after you because, like, as you know, my top in my top there uh two favorites for me is like jesse and james so it can be anything you can put pikachu in there doesn't matter just kind of a fun spinoff here since you mentioned it pokemon's fucking goaded man we know it's the end of ash and pikachu's run a few months ago gotta give it a little something man since you mentioned it for sure yeah and and i'll definitely get into that but i want to kind of get your thoughts on the the feature film aspect that you asked me about see like you know what your your thought process is absolutely my thought process is yeah if you're gonna do it it could be great do it as a trilogy please please get the same person or at least just like you said have some sort of direction here i don't know what the fuck their plan was with the last one because the first one on that sequel trilogy that they had that's post originals i thought it was going in a right direction like the first one wasn't bad like that was a pretty solid movie and then i don't know what the fuck that happened with the second one it was just all out of fucking whack i thought they had a good idea with trying to bring in the original characters but like who gives a fuck about the original characters if your storyline's entirely in all sorts of different directions like i had no emotional connection to Real, I've got to be honest, man. I really didn't have much of an emotional connection to Ray, like I did at first, and then I felt like I don't know what her like, like whole journey really was. Because when she got to Luke, he was like, "I don't give a fuck about anything anymore." I don't know, man. Like I feel like they're what I'm afraid of is they're gonna try to make this just because the Mandalorian and all these Star Wars shows are doing really well. So they wanna find a way to bring that into the big screen, but also right some of their wrongs. 
And if you're just going to throw that away, because right now what I've heard is they're just talking about even just doing one, like a two-hour movie. <laughs> like a two-hour movie for what? Like, where's the buildup in that? You going to bring Palpatine back again? <laughs> you going to bring Palpatine back again? Okay. <laughs> but this time, Din Djarin fights him. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't, don't see any good direction in that. If you have a solid villain and you build it up, I think it could be great, even if you brought, like, Ahsoka in, you know, that would be really cool to see on screen, something like that that's different, and you can take that with Rey, and then if you want to bring Din Djarin in at some point, it could be really great, but I agree 100%, I think you gotta do it the right way, sit the fuck down and take your time to plan it, don't just throw this shit on fucking screen, because you know Star Wars is the ultimate cash grab with fans, so it could be in entirely shit but have the word star wars on it and you know it's gonna fucking make money but <laughs> do this the fucking right way man give the fans what they want and then s stop the you can maybe in a hundred years make a trilogy but i do think they should do that to right some of their wrongs but if you're gonna do that do it the right way and plan that shit out correctly don't just throw it together i agree 100 percent with you for sure now to the second part here in ranking <clears throat> some top 10 Pokemon characters as a whole. It's going to be difficult. Uh, I didn't, didn't expect this, so we got to kind of go off the cuff here. This is subject to change. I want everyone to know this is subject to change. <laughs> subject to change. <laughs> this is subject to change. But right here, right now, uh, where I would put a, a top 10 ranking, uh, let me start at 10. 10, we're going to put Professor Oak. Like... This guy, oh, let me let me explain. Professor Oak is uh, the godfather of Pokemon. This man put his life in danger to be going out in grass and checking out monsters and learning a bit about them. This dude like went out there. He was he was a G, bro. This guy's like, nah, I don't care. These <laughs> things these things are legitimate. They're literally called pocket monsters. The, these monsters could fuck me up. They're gonna they could kill my ass. But guess what? I'm gonna get them anyways. We're gonna study the shit out of them. This uh, all right? Cool. So I'm gonna give number ten to Professor Oak. We like Professor Oak. He's cool. We're going to go into number nine. Number nine, I'm going to go with Giovanni. The reason I'm going with Giovanni, this dude's a badass. He, like, leads this whole gang of Team Rocket. Like, <laughs> like, this, like he's got that mob boss name, like, Giovanni. You know, that he's, and he was hard as fuck to find in the games. You know, he wasn't, even in his, he wasn't even in his own gym. You had to beat everybody first before you could get to that motherfucker. So... I'm a big fan of, uh, of Giovanni. He he brought the whole Pokemon world to its knees, man. He, he had a whole gang underneath him stealing Pokemon, doing all this like wild shit. So we're going to give nine to Giovanni. Now we're going to go into number eight. Number eight, I'm going to give it to mm, probably Blaine. He's the the oh, gym ah, the yeah. gym the gym leader of Cinnabar. Yeah, man. He had that Magmar. Magmar was one of the coolest Pokemon yeah. at the time. Remember, like, and I'll get to like what my actual favorite is here, but I had a sick ass battle between between two two characters and so Blaine and yeah, he, he's another one. Cinnabar Island was kinda cool. It was very small, but you could do a lot of shit there with like, the fossils, getting them resurrected and stuff. That shit was dope. You know, you had the the uh, the, the Ammonite and the Kabuto fossils. Then also you went to that that museum above the Pewter City. You can grab the Aerodactyl like thing and get Aerodactyl back. So <laughs> you know all the cool shit was happening at Cinnabar Island. That's where the cool shit was happening. All right, that was a place to be. 
That was Hawaii on steroids, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking badass, man. So, I, that is fucking sick. I love that. So, so Blaine, Blaine, we're gonna give him that spot there at number eight. Number seven. You know, number seven, I'm going to give to just because of like the comedic value of this character. We're gonna give it to Meowth because th- for some reason. Meowth was the only Pokemon that could actually have a conversation with people for no reason. And, like, it wasn't that it was a Meowth characteristic. It was that specific Meowth that could do it. All the other Meowths could just do is the little fucking Meow thingies. So, we're going to give Meowth number seven because he's funny as fuck. He's always getting his ass beat with the rest of his <laughs> Team Rocket, but always still talking shit, scratching up stuff. So, we're going to give Meowth number seven there. Going into number six. You know, we're going to give him... His his credit. He's been on the journey for twenty plus years. Well, we'll let that. We'll let Ash here get get in this okay, little middle yeah. section. We're gonna give Ash Ketchum uh, the the number six spot, mainly because we just gotta respect the longevity of what my man's was doing. He was trying to become a Pokemon master from day one. Always fucking Gary his ass getting in his way. <laughs> you know, Gary's being a dick. Fucking go. Yeah. So you know, like something to be said for. Training that damn Pikachu. He didn't even get like a regular starter Pokemon. He had to go off script. He had to grab this damn electric Pokemon and train it. Pikachu wanted nothing to do with Ash at first. He used to shock him. He used to like Thunderbolt Ash for no damn reason. <laughs> he said, Pikachu used to be an asshole, man. Pikachu used to be a little asshole. So and, in any event, the, 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 the bond that they created there, very, very cool. And then just to go into number five, we're going to give number five to my boy Brock. And I'll tell you why we're giving it to Brock. Number one, because he's a Pokemon breeder. And that's really the first character we see in a, a in a space like that. And I think that's kind of cool that, you know, he, he we, especially if we go to second generation games where you could take them to the little daycare and sometimes they come out with eggs, you know, and you had like little, the, the Togepi and Magby, which was like a Magmar baby. They had a few of them and it was really cool, man. So... I love that. On top of it, you could really tell that Brock was uh, passionate about Pokemon, and he even ends up leaving uh, the group at one point, so that way he can go and, and focus on his passions there. So, and obviously Onyx was kind of sick. You know, he used to crush people yeah. just like a, a stone snake. Okay, that's kind of cool. You know, so we'll get <laughs> we'll give Brock bad. his his flowers there. Put Brock in at number five. Now, number four, we gotta go with my girl Nurse Joy. Nurse Joy, yeah, Nurse Joy, fuck yeah! I'll tell you what, Nurse Joy, she's who you want to wake up next to when you pass out with all your Pokemon gone. You know, you want you want (laughs) to go right to that Pokemon Center. You want to wake up with a nice meal on the bedside. You're waking up and you see that beautiful redhead, Nurse Joy. You know you're in a good place, man. You know you're in a good spot. Nurse Joy was making sure that we stayed healthy. All along our journey, so we're going to give Nurse Joy her flowers coming in at number four. Number three. What we're going to give number three to is I'm going to say that, and this is really just because um, it's, it's not someone that you can really think of too often, but he, what he was able to do in his inventions for the Pokemon universe were kind of sick, but I'm giving it to my boy Bill. Bill can come in at number three Bill. here. You know, Bill, no one ever thinks about him. You know, right above Cerulean City, you got to go up there and you meet Bill. And he's yeah. the one that puts the whole PC together, making sure you can catch all the Pokemon. He's the one that kind of gives <laughs> you that, that diploma at the end once you actually catch That's every right. single one of them there. 
or you know, I guess technically it's Professor Oak that would give you the diploma. But in any event, we're gonna give Bill this there because you never really knew what Bill was about. I don't know what Bill, you know, like what Pokemon Bill had, you know, like, like <laughs> I just never really thought of as this really cool Pokemon trainer. But he was a, an inventive genius. So we're going to give Bill the number three spot, mainly because no one ever thinks of him. And I love these ambiguous, off-the-wall characters. So I, he for sure gets number three for me. Number two. And this is... Ooh. I'm sorry, guys, but I'm giving it to Sabrina. That is a bad bitch. Go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, Sabrina, the, the psychic Pokemon gym leader, that's a bad girl, man. She'd be, she be, she be taking control of me with her mind. Bro, she can scramble my mind any day. She was hot for like, she was, dude. Sabrina was hot, man. I don't give a hell. Like I was about yeah. eleven years old. I'm sitting here like, dang, okay, this is maybe where my like for toxic women came from. I don't know, bro. <laughs> like the yeah. shit. Like this girl was like controlling shit with her mind. There, it was spooky. It was cool. It had the little, uh, like, yeah, little goth vibes, a little alternative. Yeah, you know, yeah. like that was my thing. Jeez. Like, so Sabrina comes in at a cool number two. Now, number one, just because it's number one and you know what we're about here at Factor Fantasy, number one goes to Charizard because Charizard's the oh, motherfucking dog. <laughs> so, how do you say it? Motherfucking he, dog. He was, a, he was a monster, too. Like That guy would not want to listen to Ash for the longest time, either. I remember the whole Pokemon 3, the movie, when it's trying to fight Entei, and that shit was kind of dope. We got that fight going on. All the cool battle, Pokemon battles, had my guy Charizard attached to it. You got the Entei versus Charizard. Yeah, Charizard versus Magmar at that uh, Cinnabar Island that I was telling you guys about. Charizard was just, and obviously he's a, it's funny because he's clearly a dragon, but he's actually considered a flame Pokemon. He's not considered a dragon Pokemon. Very, very interesting. But, dude, you got that fire on his tail, that orange. You got the whole, uh, like, the, the blue underneath the wings. Dude, Charizard's so dope. And I know that we don't put terribly too much video out of our actual episodes like we used to. But I'm going to pull up my phone case here to the screen. And you'll <laughs> yeah. see I have, I have this dope-ass phone case that's the Starry Night. And in the Starry Night, it has a shadow of Charizard flying across it. So you know my boy Charizard means a lot. He, he's got a spot in my heart. That's my number one position goes to Charizard, man. So that is mine, 10 through 1. Go ahead and give us your list, 10 to 1. Let's fucking go, man. I was going to tell our, uh, our followers here, our audience, uh, about that too. Because if y'all didn't know, Jay Nelly is the biggest Charizard fan in this world. Uh, he's also the biggest Mufasa fan in this world, too. So anything Starry Night, Charizard, Mufasa, Jay Nelly's your guy, uh, man. And, and it's great, too, because, you know, we get to rock our dragon Felix here. <laughs> so it, it's always great talking about fire, talking about dragons. Fuck yeah, man. Okay, number 10. Number 10. A lot of people might not like this, but I got to give her respect. Got to give this girl respect. Number 10 goes to Misty, man. Misty! <laughs> she had... Hey, man, you gotta give her respect. She was carrying around that fucking annoying-ass Psyduck for, like, half the fucking season there. Put up with that shit. Then she had to carry around the Togepi that was, like, growing. And she had to put up with those sisters that were mean to her the whole time. When finally... And... And Ash destroyed her fucking bike like 10 fucking times, man. Gotta give Misty props, dude. Gotta give Misty props. So number 10, I'm giving to Misty there. 
Number, uh, number nine. Number nine. Let's see who we got for number nine. Once again, just like Jay Nelly said, this is on the fly. It's all subject to change here. Number nine. Since we're talking about, um, you know, since we kind of went to this water vibe, I'm going to go with Squirtle, man. We're going to go with my boy Squirtle. He had the Squirtle squad with those fucking sunglasses, just like the sunglasses emoji. He wasn't taking no shit from Ash when he came up in there. Ash better be coming ready to play. You better be ready to show that game face when he come up against that squad, baby. That Squirtle squad motherfucker. He was about to put him out of his misery with that hydro pump. But then he had to change a character left his entire squad just like the Mandalorian creeds baby like Dinjarin did came over to help that fucking 10 year old kid that was on the struggle bus since day one couldn't even wake up to be there on fucking time and Squirtle came out of his way so that's why I'm giving Squirtle number nine baby number nine looking fine number eight number eight number eight I put a lot of Pokemon Kind of add this list here, but I'm going with Meowth, number eight, man, just like you said. Gotta give the guy respect. He can talk. I don't know any other Pokemon that learned to talk. He even worked as a translator to my boys there for a while. To my boys, and I'll get into them later. I think you know who I'm talking about. The best of the best there. But uh, so, number eight, going with Meowth there uh, for all the reasons Jane Nelly said. Number seven. I'm going to give number seven to Brock. And just like you said, Brock, man. And it was, you know, Brock was really set up at first to be like the ultimate villain, if you think about it. Like he was control of that first gym. He was very mysterious in a way. You didn't know a whole lot about him. He had that big ass snake onyx. And at first you didn't even know he had that shit because he had like the Geo dude. And you're like, okay, that's cool. But, you know, Ash can take that on with Pikachu he'll be fine and then that big ass fucking boulder snake fuck shit up but once again went on the way with uh with Ash there so uh props to Brock man he was like Ash's first real friend that kind of you know like Anakin Skywalker but opposite went from the dark side to the light side it was good stuff uh now we're at number number six right number six uh, number six, hmm, I was thinking about putting her higher, but you know what, yeah, not yet, not yet, getting there, getting there. Number six, I'm going to go with, uh, yeah, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. Uh, Nurse Joy, number six, man, <laughs> Nurse Joy, I went ahead and did it anyways. Nurse Joy, number six, like you said, heals those Pokemon, and I love that Nurse Joy had all those sisters. She had like a million twins. It was fantastic. It was excellent. She helped me in the games all the time when I would get my ass handed to me by Giovanni and his crew, especially like, what was it? In the games, it's hard for me to remember because it's been so long, but I think like the final bosses in the games in the originals, you played like the, it's like, they're called like the Fab Five or something. Do you remember you went to that gym? The Elite Four. Elite Four, that's it. Yeah, that's bad. Maybe that will be the Millennials. The, the, we're Millennials. The new generation will have, like, the Fab Five or some shit. Okay, so number six, Nurse Joy. Number five, I'm going to go with my girl, Jessie, man. Jessie! James. <laughs> Fantastic. Jessie was awesome. 
Talk about the dedication. Her and her boy teamed up all the time. She had the red hair. They did whatever they could do to capture Pikachu. Prepare for trouble and make it double. It was sick, man. It was badass. Number five goes to Jesse. Number four, I'm going to put right there with her, baby. My boy James. I know you guys see our co- the cosplays on the TikTok there. You know I'm a big James fan, man. Good stuff. James was like that guy that could not be taken seriously, but he could take directions from Jesse, which is a lot like here. I can take directions from Jay Nelly, and he keeps me on fucking track, man. That's why we have a good show. Great stuff. So, James, got to give him respect. He was dedicated uh you know all the way to the very end they worked their ass off to get pikachu but you know it, it just stay dedicated that's what you got to do man <laughs> stay dedicated james gets uh number uh number four there number three number three right I'm on number three number three i'm giving to my boy ash ketchum like you said man number three ash ketchum uh another thing dedication you know, he, he really worked his way up. And then finally, you know, Ash and Pikachu have retired. He wanted to be the very best that ever was. I don't know if he was exactly ever the very best, but he did grow from being that 10-year-old kid that would sleep through his alarm clock in the morning. So props to Ash, who was our main guy. You know, he always wore that hat backwards with the finger gloves. I never really understood the point of the finger gloves. Maybe it was to hold the Pokeballs, but... You know, Andy, he jumped in front of those sparrows that were attacking him and, uh, you know, did everything he could to save this this little ass <laughs> that eventually became his best friend. So, uh, yeah. And then number two, you know, I got to give it to my boy Pikachu. Prepare for trouble. Make it double. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, had a change of character, became Ash's best friend. If you were ever on the line, man, if you were ever on the line, uh, that's where Pikachu came into place, man. And, and he stepped up to the plate. He fought fucking Raichu, got his fucking ass handed to him with the Raichu, give him another body slam. <laughs> yeah, another body slam. And, and yeah, and Pikachu Lieutenant Surge, up. man, that's a good one. Man. <laughs> Lieutenant Dude, that Surge. was a good episode, man. I love the OG Pokemon episodes, man. That's good stuff. And number one, I don't know if you could have predicted this. Sabrina was always my favorite, baby. Number one goes to Sabrina. Everything you said. Talk about a heartthrob when I was a kid, man. Watching cartoons, same thing. I agree 100%, man. And uh, remember, it was so badass. She would turn those motherfuckers into dolls. She turned Misty and Brock into fucking dolls. It had, like, this whole, like, dark fantasy vibe. This is what I was like. I think she was, like, the peak of season one, man. Like, season one, like, season two, like you said, you had Blaine there on the on the, on the the islands. But, yeah, this was sick, dude. And, and you had that whole backstory with her dad that tried to make her come back around. They had to go get the ghost Pokemon fucking Haunter that fucking abandoned their ass during the fucking fight and then made them laugh. Brought Sabrina back around. You got that fucking... Uh, what was it? The psychic badge or whatever the fuck that was. She was the leader of uh, yeah, the psychic badge. Yeah, Saffron City. 
Yeah. yeah, Saffron City. That's right. Saffron Gym. Badass, man. So I gave Sabrina my number one. But yeah, fucking Pokemon's goaded. Good shit, Jay Nelly. Good shit, man. 100%. And I actually took the notes down of our 10 through 1 to give a quick recap. So for myself, uh, number 10, I gave it to Professor Oak. Number 9, Giovanni. Number 8, Blaine. Number 7, Meowth. Number 6, Ash. Number 5, Brock. Number four, Nurse Joy. Number three, Bill. Number two, Sabrina. Number one, Charizard. Then Chase, going from 10 to one. 10 for him was Misty. Nine, Squirtle. Eight, Meowth. Seven, Brock. Six, Nurse Joy. Five, Jesse. Four, James. Three, Ash. Two, Pikachu. And number one, Sabrina. So that is our list, 10 through 1, that we just came together on the fly. So that was kind of dope, man. Yeah, is there anything Love else you want to say before we close it out today on this one? No, man. This was a banger of a fucking episode. Loved it. Fuck yeah, man. And it uh, feels good to be back in the Star Wars world. Feels good to be in the content of Season 3. Let's fucking go, man. It's always fun when we were able to you know, have a really light episode like this. You gotta really kind of bring some extra stuff to you. Uh, I really enjoy when, when episodes are, are kind of you know taken like this here. So uh, if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. For those who have been with us from the very beginning, thank you for continuing to be the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. Please give us a follow, a like, a subscribe. We're on all forms of social media, Instagram at official ridiculous Patronus, on TikTok at ridiculous Patronus, Facebook, Chase and Josh Factor Fantasy, YouTube, Ridiculous Patronus. We do have our own site, ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com. So please, like I said, give us a follow, like, subscribe, comment on the posts, whatever you want to do. We love all forms of the engagement that we get from the listeners. Uh, in terms of the podcast itself, where you can find us, if you're an Apple user, you can find us on Apple Podcast. If you have an Android, you can find us on Google Play. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, where we have our host site, Podbean. Literally, wherever you hear podcasts, Chase and Josh, Factor Fantasy are there. We're out for the day, though, because this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing, signing off. off.